time now for Gator Guys Sports Spectacular with your hosts, Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy, and Mike Kegley. Another fantastic September weekend. Glad you're spending part of it with us. Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, Brad Sturdy is off right now. Actually, uh, we think he's not that far from Gainesville, maybe just down the road. Uh, the house of the mouse, I think. Mike Cagley, is that, is that very, very possible? Very possible. We will, we will find out how he spends his vacation next week. Spending all of that uh, sports spectacular money, uh, obviously. But we wish him well, and we'll see him back here uh, next week. Hey, we've got a lot coming up here, um, man. Uh, Scott Carter, who's a senior writer with uh, FloridaGators.com, he will join us later on this hour to talk about uh, this Gators uh, team. And uh, listen, as we all know, this week there was um, <laughs> a lot to talk about, right? I mean, it just was um, uh, not the week you it, not the week you were hoping for, the kind of week that you you know kind of dreaded, right, going into the season. Like, boy, I hope this doesn't happen in week one, and that's exactly what happened. We'll talk about that coming up as well. Uh, by the way, the number twelve is a number to keep in mind. We'll discuss that later on in the show. And uh, the young man in Colorado, uh, the quarterback named Sanders, not the coach named Sanders that everyone's talking about, ESPN, um, but the quarterback, the junior, uh, Sudur Sanders, is he your Heisman frontrunner after week one? What a spectacular debut. And by the way, he was pretty good at Jackson State, too, before he transferred. Um, that's all coming up. But, uh, Michael, let's uh, get started here. Look, elephant in the room, unfortunately, um, for the Gators, not only um, a, a painful flight home from Salt Lake City, but because you play on Thursday, you've got a couple extra days um, that that wound is open right before taking on McNeese State uh, at Florida Field this weekend. Yeah, I, I will tell you, they've they've got to work on, uh, you know, taking care of the small details, you know, bad mistakes, um, mistakes, you know, penalties on at the worst possible time, um, you know, just just discipline type of things, you know, missed tackles. Uh, and I also think when you look at this team, you know, they've got some talent at running back. And and I do think that you've got to establish the run a little better. You know, you've got uh, ATN ended up having seven carries for 25 yards. And when you throw in uh, Graham Mertz and a wide receiver, um, you know, now you're looking at basically 13 carries. And you've got to be able to, I, I know it's pass happy time of, of football, but you've got to be able to, to control the ball a little bit on the ground, uh, particularly in the SEC with these monster defenses. And, and Graham Mertz is a fine quarterback, but I don't think you want him throwing the ball 40 times a game. No, you don't. And that's the problem. Like you, like you said, one, first off, the running game was ineffective. And then secondly, uh, because of all the mishaps, you fall behind. Now he had to throw, right? Yep. I mean, um, so he, you know, nice day for stats. Uh, you know, his stat line was good, but you get the loss and and not just the loss. And I w- certainly want to get Scott Carter's thoughts on this, uh, the insider uh, here in a few minutes. Um, but it just was the way they lost. You know, I think, look, I mean, if it's a, if, if, if it's a, if it's a 24, 17 game, right. If it's a 30, 24 game, 30, 27, um, where you're in the game. Um, but this was one coming out of the locker room. It just, it just seemed to fall apart. And, and, and so many of the mishaps we're self-inflicted. Yeah, you, you 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 just don't expect a team that's going to be successful to run into all the issues that they ran into and and again, 
just the a lack of discipline that you're hoping you know you don't get early in the season there was just a lot of it was very disappointing i mean again it wasn't a horrible game but it was just not what you expected out of a florida team uh, and and we knew it was going to be a tough game when you got to go to utah and play on the road against a very very underrated utah team but you, you just you can't make those type of lackadaisical, lack of focus type of mistakes. Yeah, Utah, by the way, we should point out, uh, not just anybody, uh, ranked number 14 at the time, uh, the reigning Pac-12 champion, and they'll be a force again in uh, what appears to be that league's uh, final season, at least the final season as a Power 5 conference. Uh, but yes, Florida uh, last week rushing for, uh, boy, just 13 yards on 21 attempts. I mean, it just was uh, it was just was not their day at all for the Gators. But in comes McNeese State, uh, the Cowboys for a 7.30 p.m. kick on ESPNU. Uh, Billy Napier talking uh, this week in his uh, his weekly press conference, and uh, he understands uh, the gravity of the situation right now. Get this win in, in the money game in your home opener this week, uh, and then it's uh, the Tennessee Volunteers coming up uh, next week. Let's listen in to uh, Coach Napier, and we'll talk more about it on the other side. I think the key to the drill here is that we don't waste this experience. Um, and I think just having met with a leadership group, I think we're in great position to do that. We can't waste a minute blaming or complaining or sulking or um, thinking about the past. We have to learn. We have to change. We have to adapt. And we have to grow. And, um, you know, we're getting to a point in the season here where we're going to be Saturday, uh, Sunday to Saturday, a couple weeks in a row. And you really got to get consumed with your process, right? All parts of the organization. Um, what can I do that can affect the outcome uh, and get really good at my job? And essentially just do your job, right? Take responsibility, uh, take ownership. And certainly that starts with me. You know, I think um, success is a dirty process, right? And I think you've got to navigate um, a world that has doubt, right, that has fear. Uh, there's always disruptions. There's always challenges. Um, and it challenges everything inside of you. If you're a competitor, this game will challenge you. And I think it demands all that you've got. You know, and for many, um, it's not worth it. You know, but for the select few out there, uh, they wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, if you know football, you know the history and the tradition of McNeese. Um, you know, this is a place that has winning expectations. Uh, but obviously this week for us is about improvement. And um, we have to compete each day like we're playing the best competition that we will play this year. Uh, and I think that was the message from the leadership group earlier today. So uh, we look forward to getting this taste out of our mouth. And, and this weekend presents that opportunity. Uh, what questions do we have here? You mentioned not wanting to waste any time here. Is, is there a level of concern at all about when it comes to honing in on fundamentals and execution, just now that the season's here, now that you have to dedicate so much time to, to studying the opponent? Yeah, I think the big issue for me is the self-inflicted wounds, right? I think Gators beat the Gators in a lot of ways. Not that Utah was wasn't deserving to win, but you know, we like to say we like to control the things that we can control. We didn't necessarily do that. Um, red zone miscues, you know, protection issues, 
Uh, we had a few plays on special teams that were significant in the game. So I do think that there were some positives that came out of the game. I do think we took a step forward on defense. Uh, I do think that we're close in a lot of ways. We got some really good play from some individual players on special teams and offense. Uh, but there's work to be done for sure. As a coaching staff, that you had the team prepared to play because of the procedural issues, it seems like maybe the, uh, maybe just first game jitters, though. You know, I do. I was surprised by that, to be quite honest. You know, we had played pretty clean football. Scrimmages, practice setting, uh, we'd done quite a bit of significant crowd noise work, you know. Uh, so those were surprising. I mean, I, I really felt confident our team was ready to play. Um, but, you know, you watch a weekend of college football, you see a lot of success, but you also see a lot of struggles. So um, the key to the drill here is how we respond and how we adapt, right? And that's not just coaches, that's individual players. Um, and, I, and I think this group is ready to do that. Number of touches for your two running backs seems pretty low. I don't know. I'm, some of that's dictated by the score and chasing. But is that acceptable moving forward to, for those two guys to touch the ball as, as little as they yeah, did? No, I think it's a great question. I think ultimately for me, Looking back at it, that's something that we could have been a little bit more committed to. And there's no doubt about it. But, you know, we get into all of a sudden it's 17-3, 24-3. Uh, that affects the approach you take. But I do think, um, you know, Utah has something to do with that as well. I think we were like 3.1 a carry on called runs. Um, you know, we did, when we did run it, you know, we got it you know, in that four, five, six range, and they got us on the ground, right? So uh, they they tackled much better, and uh, ultimately they contributed to that as well. But it's a good point. It's a really good see point. yourself identity-wise, do you still see yourself as maybe a run-first, maybe power-run team? That's what you want to do? Well, I think, you know, our, our history is pretty well documented. You know, I mean, we've we've been able to rush the ball effectively in the past. We didn't do that Saturday. Um and I think that ultimately balance is required in this game, in my opinion. If you want to have a good team, I think there's some weeks where you got to rush it effectively, and then there's some weeks you got to pass it effectively. Situations call for both, right? In this game, I think if you're going to be really good, there's times where you got to rush the ball, right? There's a short yardage, red zone, goal line, uh, four-minute situations. And then you're going to have to pass it in third long and two-minute situations. So you got to build your team where you have balance and you're capable of both. Uh, but I think just from a, a demeanor standpoint, I think we definitely want to be more committed to the run game. Yeah, Coach is in, an, in a really tough place right now because he's got a team that's young. He's got some excellent recruits coming in. He's got, you know, he's got to hold this team together until they get enough talent to really compete in the SEC. The challenge is, is when you don't have a lot of talent, that means you have to make fewer mistakes. You can't have dumb penalties. You can't lose outside contain, you know, when you're playing defense. All those little things that add up to putting you out of a game. And realistically speaking, they weren't, they, there was never any danger watching that game that Utah was going to lose, in my opinion. And you've got to do the small details and turn that around. 
and that's I think you know, and we were talking, you and I were texting as we were watching the game, right? And we talked about it here again over the weekend. Um, that's the thing was it was a little things. The problem is there were a lot of little things. You yeah. know, as you mentioned, you can't run the ball. You're forced now to pass. Uh, then the miscues. Uh, you give up the seventy yard play in the very first play from scrimmage, right? That the Utes had on offense. Um, on you know when the Gators third down only one of thirteen third down attempts converted. I mean, this is it, it wasn't just one or two little things. It was it felt like every single facet um, of the game, and that's what's concerning. I think is that you know you you want to come out of the box when you're a program like the Gators um, and play some smash mouth football. Um, but it felt like they let Utah dictate uh, the tempo in this one and and really dictate the game, and, and they get the win 24-11 in a game that really wasn't that close. No, and, and in fact, you know, Utah looked like the bigger, stronger team for most of the game, and I think that's the the part that Florida fans have a hard time dealing with. You know, they're used to the team that that really takes the initiative, the team that throws the first punch and the last punch, and and really, this was a team that that looked like uh, the guy who is out there on the wrestling mat who's supposed to lose to Roman Reigns, not the guy who's supposed to win. And that is an unusual place. And maybe in the 80s, it was okay. But after Steve Spurrier and Urban Meyer have coached this, it's it's no longer okay you know, the, the expectation is that you compete for SEC championships, which puts you in a place for national titles. Always got to go back to wrestling. He's he's Mr. Michael Kegley. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, hey, we are just getting started here uh, on the Sports Spectacular. Still to come, uh, we'll talk again about uh, the quarterback situation, the Heisman race. Also, uh, these games like Florida versus McNeese State. Uh, are these games good for college football? We'll talk about that as well. And once again, stay with us because Scott Carter from FloridaGators.com will join us to talk about the Gators and the Cowboys from Florida Field as uh, the Gators look to get their first win of the season. Quick timeout, much more to come right here on the Sports Spectacular. Packages start at $29.99 a month with signed agreement. Restrictions apply. Speak to a representative for complete offer details. See Vivint.com for license details. Terms and conditions apply. Homeowners, if you're looking for the best in home security and smart home technology at a price you can actually afford, we have great news. Now you can get Vivint's award-winning home security systems starting at about a dollar a day. U.S. News and World Report has recognized Vivint as the best professionally installed home security system of 2022. And right now, you can get Vivint's home security technology for about a dollar a day. Plus, get free professional installation from a licensed technician. Protect your home and loved ones for as low as a dollar a day. Call right now for your free home security consultation. 800-613-8053. That's 800-613-8053. Well, back here on the show, Larry is with Mike. Uh, Brad is, uh, he's, he's just, he's avoiding us this week. He doesn't want to talk to us. No, just kidding. He's with his family. We'll see him back here next week. Um, hey, want to get your thoughts here. Um, uh, we've talked a lot about uh, Colorado and the big win. Uh, Shadur Sanders 
510 yards in its Colorado debut to set a school record. How's that? Uh, big man on big man on campus just two weeks into uh, classes starting, right? Uh, the junior son of the coach, Deion Sanders, is getting some Heisman buzz right now. Hard to argue that if you base your votes on just this year and not the fact that maybe you won last year, um, it'd be hard to argue that he's not the Heisman winner after that kind of performance or the Heisman, the Heisman leader, I should say. Yeah, I think the the unfortunate thing for Shadur is it's been such an award that you have to be on a really good team. Now, maybe uh, Colorado is going to go 11-1 and, and and put him in the running. I don't think so, but you don't want to underestimate Dion. But it seems like that uh, your team has to be darn near undefeated or one loss will eventually come to harm him but he may end up being the best player in college football. Well, here's the one thing to his advantage. If you, if you base on week one is that Colorado gave up over 500 yards of offense. So um, he's going to have plenty of chances, right? Because the defense is not stopping anybody. <laughs> so. Well, yeah. Although, although you have to admit, I'm, I'm assuming there's going to be teams that are a little stouter on defense than DCU. Sure, sure. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. Maybe, maybe not. Fun to talk about in week one, because that was an unexpected development, if you will, right? Going into uh, the season. Uh, a lot of uh, games, a lot of the, the big teams last week, even this week, um, are uh, engaging in those pay-for-play games. Uh, look, it's one where we even heard over the weekend, there's uh, you know one FCS school that's going to take on a, you know, a major Power 5 team for a $500,000 payday that's going to pay for the renovation of their locker room. And they're going to take on another team later on and that money's going to pay for the new turf they had installed in their field. So um, there is some good in serving yourself up as a sacrificial lamb, if you will, to these big boys, if you're one of the small schools. But are these games are these games really good for college football overall? I think they've been going on for as long as we remember. I mean, you know, I remember as a kid, you know, you'd want to see how bad Slippery Rock got beat each week. Um, you know, as the as the scores crawled across the bottom of the ABC telecast, I I think good. I don't know if they're good, but for those programs, uh, you can make their year. I know we talked to a, a college basketball coach for a small university who was really hoping to play a bigger school because that one check could pay for his whole program's expenses for the year and and would be able to be transformative in what they could do with their with and to stretch their budgetary dollars. So I think it's probably more important to those smaller schools than any of us might uh, imagine because we're not holding their checkbook trying to pay the bills. Right. And that's kind of I'm that's kind of where I am with you as well on this, that I think that, look, I'd like to see these power, these, you know, the, the mega power teams, right? Top 30, top 40 teams uh, play other FBS teams. Don't go down a level to play the FCS. But to your point, um, the money is so great for those programs and not just football for their entire athletic programs. Yes. Um, and so it, it's a way you share the wealth in a way uh, with this. So I agree with that. Hey. Maybe the most impressive team last weekend was Florida State. I mean, the Seminoles look fantastic as they just completely dismantled uh, LSU in a neutral site uh, down in Orlando. Uh, are the Knolls back? Are they for real? Well, I tell everybody, you know, you really don't want to take the week one results too seriously. Let's let it play out. 
So being the total hypocrite that I am, I'm going to tell you the Knolls are back because <laughs> that team, that team just looked really good against that impressive LSU team that that could have been. You could argue they could have been up 24 to seven at the half if the breaks had 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 went a little bit more LSU's way, and they got they got the wheel. You know, they got they got the whole the whole car came apart in the second half. So I gotta I gotta give it to the Knolls. I think they are back. I think they are too. And, um, you know, when you look at the team, that's probably their biggest competition in the ACC Clemson, the way they looked one night later, uh, you have, you have to think right now that Florida state is the class of the ACC. And it would appear if they can play that well, uh, for the next uh, three months, uh, they may be, um, you know, vying for a shot in the, um, in the college football playoff. Stay with us more to come. And after this quick timeout, Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Are drug and alcohol problems hitting you too close to home? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. 877-927-3380. 877-927-3380. That's 877-927-3380. Hey, Cags, football season's here, and we've got a great game for everybody to play. What's going on? Well, we have teamed with the uh, the company called Splash, and they have a fantastic NFL survivor pool that you can get into. So you just have to go to sportsguyspool.com. That's just one word, sportsguyspool.com. And when you go there, you get into the survivor pool. It's $10 to get in. You're picking one team that's going to win each week in the NFL, and you can only pick a team once. And by the end of the season, whoever goes the furthest gets to take away a nice prize. So it's a lot of fun. Um, unfortunately, with uh, with my picking ability, I will probably be like Kramer in the uh, Master of His Domain <laughs> contest in, in Seinfeld. I'll probably be out right away. But again, each week you just pick one team. You got obviously there's 32 teams in the NFL. You're going to be picking 19. So uh, the person who goes the longest by getting the getting each week right wins the pool. A lot of fun. Sportsguyspool.com. Elaine just walked in the door and said she's out. Sportsguyspool.com. Go check it out. If you're a diabetic, we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance. If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call U.S. Med now to learn more. 800-390-5160-800-390-5160-800-390-5160. That's 800-390-5160. You're listening to the Gator Guys Radio Network. Back on the show here talking about, again, the Florida Gators getting ready for game number two. And to get some perspective now, we want to talk to somebody who's much smarter than us. Uh, Scott Carter, senior writer for FloridaGators.com and has uh, covered Florida sports. Um, he's a veteran. I'm not going to go back how long. But uh, listen, he's done this longer than what he looks. I mean, he looks like he's you know fresh out of college. But don't let the baby face fool you. Hey, Scott, great to have you here on the show. Um, look, let's elephant in the room, gator in the room. Let's just talk about it. 
Uh, how important is it again for the Gators to come out strong this weekend um, after the opener last week out in Salt Lake? Uh, that's the mission, guys. I, mean, I was just uh, at a press conference about an hour ago with Billy Napier and a couple of players, and you know they they've stewed on this loss to Utah for a few days now because you know it's, it was so much of it was self inflicted. I mean, obviously Utah won the game. Utah made some good plays, but I mean the the word of the day around there is like execution wins, and we did not execute it nearly a high enough level to go on the road to open the season against a top 25 team and expect to win. And, you know, for those who watched the game, well, you saw it. I mean, Florida really just kept tripping over their own feet, especially in that first half. It was special teams. Uh, it was uh, offensive procedural issues. So there was a, a long list of things that they've been working on. And I think, you know, it's, it's hard to call it a wake-up call after one week, guys, but it kind of felt that way because, you know, I think people who really follow this program closely and know the roster, I think people expect Florida to be better uh, than last year, at least look better. I'm not going to say their record's going to be a lot different because I still think they're, you know, they're, they've got a co another year or two before they can really start talking about joining the elite of the SEC. But I do think, they're a lot better team than what we saw at Utah last Thursday night. You know, one of the things that that we look at when we look at this schedule is, you know, with your last five games, you know, Georgia, LSU, Florida State are amongst those five. Sprinkle in some Arkansas and Missouri. There's not a lot of room for mistakes there at the end of the year. How big is the next two weeks, you know, getting on the right foot with McNeese and then figuring out a way to defend the swamp against, you know, Tennessee? Yeah, I mean, I think they're both big uh, because, you know, your your point about the schedule has been a topic of a conversation uh, around the team. I mean, they know nothing's going to be easy this year for this team. And so you go out and you lose to Utah, you dig yourself a hole. And now, you know, they got a game, let's face it. McNeese is coming to town. This is one of those cupcake games that a lot of times you open the season with, but now to get them in the second game, so it's a chance for the Gators to kind of get back on the right track because right after that, you know, Tennessee comes to town, and then you got Charlotte coming to town, which, you know, a few years ago, you're not, you might not think much about Charlotte, but they were in a bowl last year. And then, of course, you have to go up to Kentucky. So it's just not – it's just a difficult road, and, you know, I've I've kind of forecasted, like, you know, people have asked me a lot this year, like, where do you see this team? And I've kind of stuck to that six and six safe spot, you know, because I don't I think that's kind of what they are. But if they can surprise us a game or two, maybe they can be better than that. But if they play like they did at Utah, well, it's going to be the other end of the coin. And, and I think we they're going to start that trek, you know, to, to prove that they're not that team on Saturday with McNeese in town, a game that. You know, it's a night game at the Swamp. People are excited. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. But I would expect them to at least uh, get a little bit better on Saturday night. Talking with Scott Carter, again, of FloridaGators.com. And Scott, not to, boy, not to just, you know, uh, beat a dead horse, if you will. But I, I think, again, that Utah game is still the game that's fresh. And I think until they, you know, McNeese aside, I mean, look, let's like you said, let's be honest. This is the game they're supposed to win and 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 get the W. Until you can beat a team like a Tennessee or or even again a Charlotte or a Kentucky, this is the game that right now the nation and and even I think even Gator Nation is going to uh, judge this team by. 
here's the thing I thought was really surprising about, especially the first half, as you mentioned, Florida seemed very disorganized. And that was, you know, and it was one of those where I'm like, you know, it's almost like Utah. And I said this before, it's almost like Utah is the, the SEC power, the power five, you know, power yeah. team. And, and Florida was the middle of the road Pac-12 team. And I don't mean that in terms of like, you know, this team's better or whatever. Just simply from just being organized, it just, it just, they just seemed out of sorts. And, and then the mistakes happen. And then you give up the big play and a blown coverage. I mean, um, I guess that's the thing that I think for me that concerns me, you know, I, I don't know. Florida, I, I went through, it's been going back to the 20s, I think, since Florida has fired a coach or had a coach last only two seasons. But it was to the point that I'm like, you know, I don't think they they pull that trigger this soon. But gee, if you can't get this together, that may be a conversation pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, you do look at this McNeese game a little differently considering the circumstances. I mean, like I said, this is a game that Florida should take care of. But in today's college football landscape, you're seeing more of these lower tier programs with the transfer portal and with guys wanting to play a a six year, maybe dropping down level. There are more surprises than probably ever before. And, you know, so you, you think about those things. Uh, if that were to come to fruition, yeah, it would be a very, very dark day at the swamp. And I think there would be a lot of reevaluation going on. Going to your main point against what we saw at Utah, that's why we're even kind of uh, entertaining this thought about maybe the McNeese game. Yeah, I mean, they they did look disorganized. And, you know, Billy Napier, one of his things, and I've seen it up close in the way he's building the program, he's an attention to detail guy, and and he has been since he's been here. but. You just didn't expect that that kind of performance from the start. And it was almost like, I think, it, it, you know, he, this week he's, his tone's obviously been a little more urgent. Uh, he's always a serious guy, but I think it looked to me like just in his dealings with the media this week, I mean, he understands the tone out there in the fan base and how that isn't acceptable. And, you know, we'll, we'll, I, I do think it will be cleaner. I think everyone in the building uh is on kind of high alert. They, they know that was an embarrassment in a lot of ways uh, because again, they, they played well enough in other ways to be in that game and make it a real game to the defense, which has you know really been down for about three seasons now. I mean, they, they had a pretty good performance in the, under their first year uh, coordinator, Austin Armstrong, uh, Graham Burtz for what he was. I mean, he managed the game pretty well. Didn't do anything spectacular, but he threw for 333 yards, which was a career high. Uh, but the running game, the offensive line uh, protection, and the the mistakes—I mean, they're nine penalties, forty-five yards—and and I think everything got magnified, guys. When you have a penalty on national TV on Thursday night, ESPN, when you have two number threes on the same on the field at the same time, that made it worse. <laughs> the 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 question that a lot of people you know have is you look you look at a star recruit like DJ Lagway, um, if if things go south. It, can they hold on to him or does that open up him to the whole world? You know, because there's not a team that wouldn't want him, you know, yeah, um, yeah. how do you, how do you guys look at this? I mean, and is that just another piece of pressure that goes on to, to Napier's shoulders? I mean, it's something that obviously you have to consider. I mean, they've done really well in this 2024 class. They're right where they need to be nationally with Lagway being kind of the centerpiece. And, you know, he's been around the program over the summer. He's been, you know, kind of 
promoting the program online with high school players. I know him and Billy have a really good relationship. He's he's built some roots there. So you know, I don't think it's 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 near that level yet. But again, we've all seen strange things unfold, and you know, you just hope that it doesn't get to that point. But I think right now, what Florida? I mean, the their bottom line number one, you you got to go out and beat McNeese on Saturday and and do it looking decent, and then you know, really just show that you're making improvement from week to week and try to, you know, be competitive in the SEC. Because again, I don't think they're ready to compete for the SEC championship, but I, I think they can, you know, win a game or two. Maybe to, if they're playing well with the young players, they played what 14 true freshmen uh, the other night, they played eight newcomers. So there's 22 players who made their first ever appearance for Florida. So if those guys can, can continue to get better, and I think they can surprise some uh, people on the positive side, but uh, there, there's a long, long road until you know we know really the answer to that question, guys. And, and that's kind of I guess leads to my next question, and and you went right to it in terms of personnel. This is a very young team, um, you know, recruiting wise. In terms of when you look at a coach, and and look, you know, that's why I said rarely do you, you know and a major level, get rid of a coach after two years. It's just, it's very unusual. Um, do you feel that may be the saving grace, even though this team may be at six and six or five and seven, but the fact you're playing so many young players, you're recruiting on a high level. Um, you look into those kinds of factors that, that may keep, you know, Billy Napier seat a bit cooler perhaps because you could say, yeah, we, we did these things, but we're building and look what we've got for next year. I mean, I, I think the coaches would say, look what, and it feels like, you were looking at the negatives, but there's some positives there in terms of what you're trying to build for the future. Yeah, there are. I mean, I think he's done, like I said earlier, he's done great in the, the 24 class. I think I can't, I don't know the number. I think they added 18, four stars in this 23 class, which if you've looked at Florida recently, I mean, their recruiting had gone down. That's why they're, they've had back-to-back six and seven seasons. That's why Dan Mullen's no longer here after getting off to like a 29 and six start. I mean, there was a massive drop in the roster talent. And I've told a lot of people around, you know, who, here in Gainesville and who really are close with the Gators. I mean, you can make an easy argument that that was the worst roster from top to bottom that Billy Napier took over since probably the early 80s when Florida was just really kind of going. So the program was just in a different place. And Napier was brought in to not only, you know, rebuild what we see on the field, but they've moved into a new facility since he's been here. They've, They've hired a lot of people that are doing a lot more analytics and stuff that Florida football has never done. But it does all go back to the players, and it all goes back to recruiting. And I think that he does have some some leeway there that people who kind of see the big picture understand he's doing what he needs to do and building the right pieces. But, you know, it all goes back to you can't have a year where you go three and nine or something. So they're just, they're just going to have to play better than they did at Utah. I think they will. and. Uh, I still think they can have the kind of season most people expected them to have, but certainly they made a bad first impression. <laughs> so what what does Billy Napier do out on the recruiting trail that, that pulls him and lifts him above, you know, what Dan Mullen was doing? You know, from, I think Billy, if you talk to the players that he brings in and, you know, he, he he's kind of one of these coaches and it's hard. I mean, you, there's all kinds of coaches in the country and, they're under such different directions, but Billy just seems real. I mean, I've been doing this now. He's my fifth coach I've worked with at Florida. 
And him and Will Muschamp are by far the, the two most just real guys. You know, he he could, you know, I can see why he connects with kids. You know, Tyreek Sapp tonight was talking about, you know, has, has Billy changed this week under this pressure? He says, no, Billy's always the same. That's why I'm here. Because when I first met him, he said everything he's told me and my family that was going to happen has happened. And that's why I want to play for a guy like that. So I just think that genuineness uh, really helps him uh, in today's climate uh, with where the uh, the game is and just the the young culture that, you know, kids are what they're looking for. Um, but, you know, he, you know, he's also got, you know, good football acumen. I mean, he, he he's he's won at Louisiana. He, he's not here because he's just a genuine guy. He's, he's a good football coach. And I think, I think, you know, he's trying to get to that point where it's going to show up on the field more. But again, I just feel like we're still on that bridge and, uh, you just hope the bridge doesn't fall down for it before he gets over it, because I do think that there are a lot of th- a lot of signs that are positive behind the scenes uh, that are needed to be uh, kind of taken place before he got here. Yeah, Gators at the Swamp Saturday night taking on a McNeese State again, thirty three consecutive uh, wins and home openers. That's the best in the football bowl subdivision. Uh, one of you, one more question, a little bit off topic uh, before we let you go. Um, Obviously, college football expansion uh, has been talking and realignment, I should say, and all the teams moving. It appears that Pac-12 is is you know going to be history here in a few months. Um, you know, the SEC right now this year, obviously, they made the big splash. They kind of began this latest run, I guess you could say, with Texas and Oklahoma. Um, what are you hearing about about the SEC staying pat or maybe uh, looking to expand? Or what are your thoughts and what are you hearing and what do you think maybe down the line? Well, it seems kind of quiet right now, guys. I mean, I haven't checked Twitter in the last 20 minutes, but I mean, you know, it, I think Greg Sinke said it the, a couple of weeks ago. He was asked, you know, with, with everything that's going on with the Pac-12 or now the ACC, he says they're pretty happy with Oklahoma and Texas coming in next year. That puts them at 16. Uh, they're getting away from divisional play starting next year. So I, I think as of this moment, you know, I think the SEC is on very solid ground, but I've been surprised more than once in the last year or so, as you guys probably have with some of this movement. So I, I, I don't rule anything out, but I think right now they like where they are. They like the the teams and the schools that they have. But uh, so I'm not hearing much on that regard right now. Yeah, it kind of feels like as long as the ACC is intact and their deal is set, we're not going to hear much. But the question is, how long is that going to yeah. last? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, Scott, uh, enjoy the home opener uh, yet again. You do great work as always. We appreciate your time and uh, look forward to talking with you again soon. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Take care. Thanks, Scott. Scott Carter, again, senior writer, FloridaGators.com. He does such great work. Um, also, you know, Mike, we were talking before, he's uh, over in the Tampa area before that. Uh, so this guy really knows um, his Florida sports, his Florida football. And it's, uh, boy, what an asset to have him talk with us here uh, about the Gators as they get ready to take on the Cowboys of Agnese. And again, not to look ahead down the line, uh, you don't want to look past them, but uh, it's Tennessee uh, coming in after that. Stay with us. More to come right here on the Gator Guys Sports Spectacular. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the Health Insurance Helpline can help you get it. 800-448-0828. 800-448-0828. 800-448-0828. 
That's 800-448-0828. All right, got a few minutes here before we uh, have to say goodbye. Uh, Mike, your thoughts, Nebraska at number 22, Colorado. I actually think Nebraska is in a little bit of trouble. I really think that uh, their offense is going to uh, struggle even against a weak Colorado defense. And I think Colorado's offense is going to be a nightmare. Shadur Sanders actually played down here in Melissa, Texas. Um, the guy is uber talented and I think he is one that could have went anywhere in the country and it would have been interesting had he went to an Alabama or a Ohio state to have seen what he would have done there. Um, and he is going to, you know, when 500 and whatever, 10 yards is your opening salvo, that's pretty dang impressive. Against another Power Five program, this wasn't against a, a yeah, and it's number seventeen. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's yeah, exactly right. Um, you know, he's impressive, and keep in mind he's a junior, so he's a seasoned vet uh, at quarterback, and that makes uh, this year intriguing for Colorado. Uh, love the Texas Alabama game. Uh, Texas coming in number eleven. Alabama right now third in the country. Um, I like the Crimson Tide in this one because they are at home, and because Nick Saban again plays. Uh, just he does coaches so well against guys who used to coach under him 28 and two all time. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian, of course, the Texas coach, former offensive coordinator for the Tide for a couple of seasons uh, uh, just a few years ago. This is a good matchup, though, and um, I, I do like Alabama. However, if Texas pulls off the win, how exciting to get the consensus big four in college football, right? Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan. And then the first two weeks, you add a Florida State and you add a Texas to the mix, uh, that would be uh, a, a lot of fun. Uh, hey, producer Tony Cordero, um, you're a Notre Dame guy. Irish taking on NC State. Yeah, it should be an interesting ball game. You know, it's going to be uh, a thing where can NC State come out and punch Notre Dame in the mouth early? Notre Dame has, you know, had it easy so far. Tennessee State, that's a pay, you know, joke game. Navy in Dublin, okay, it's still Navy. Um, can NC State punch Notre Dame in the mouth, get them off their game, you know, make them a little weak in the knee, and put some pressure on Sam Hartman because he's had all day to throw and he's looked good. An elite quarterback gives you a chance in any ball game. Notre Dame is a good, solid team, great run game, got four different backs that can carry the ball, four different backs have scored this year for them but they haven't been challenged yet. It'll be interesting to see if NC State can challenge them, really see what this Notre Dame team has because Ohio State's coming up in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and that should be an outstanding game as well, one that that we have not talked about much uh, because we've been stuck on some of these earlier uh, matchups here in the beginning of the college football season. Hey, I want to get both of your thoughts um, on the Pac-12. Uh, boy, it has been... I mean, just a punching bag, and it feels like everyone's taking a shot, right? <laughs> Coming in, uh, you you began the season with 12 teams. You're going to end uh, the school year with only two. Uh, but guys, they were the only conference in week one to go 12-0. and 0. Your thoughts? Yeah, the Big Ten fans informed me that, that the Big Ten lost three games, but two of them were Big Ten matchups to open. So 
they did lose one game, and I guess you have to say shame on Purdue. But you know the 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 Pac-12 is has some teams at the top that are powerful, and that's why uh, so many of them ended up in the Big Ten. <laughs> and so you know, I think ultimately uh, that's it's a strong conference, and if USC can manage to play up to the level of expectation, you know, they may be a team that makes it to the end of the final four. I think it's hats off to the big 12. You know, like you said, they've been picked apart, picked clean. They're down to two schools at the end of this, this school year. And yet they went 12 and zero in week one beat Florida. Um, you know, Washington state had a nice win. Oregon state with a nice win over the Labor Day weekend. Uh, DJ Oyungle looked great for them. So they could be an interesting team this year. Hats off to the Pac-12. They may go out in just an absolute blaze of glory this year. Yeah, yeah. Why not? I mean, it was, you know, Colorado, the win. We forget that they're still there. And you mentioned Utah already. Um, Arizona, Arizona State. It was uh, very exciting to uh, to see um, this conference uh, go 12-0. And like you said, like you said, go out with go out with a bang. Why not? Hey, we are out of time. Boy, two hours uh, goes by way too fast as always. Glad you're with us, though. I appreciate everyone who stopped by. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the weekend. And we'll see you right back here, same station, this time next week. The preceding program is a product of Rise Above Productions and Revision Sound. Join us next week for the latest edition of the Gator Guys Sports Spectacular 